to see all of you this morning. Glad you're all here. Uh, if you are one of our guests, we are glad you're here. We hope you will stick around after services. Let us get to know you, and you get to know us just a little bit better. <coughs> Before I get too far, we have an upcoming chili cook-off on the 19th of this month, February 19th. It's a Saturday. It's at 6 o'clock right here at the building. And I need to emphasize all you need to do. Ready? Show up and eat chili. That's all you got to do. We have five master uh, chili masters who are going to be preparing their dish. And then there'll be judges who will judge uh, those respective masters of chili. Uh, but we get to sample and we get to eat chili, and that's all you got to do. Uh, I'm bringing a sleeve of saltine crackers. That's all I'm bringing, because that's how I eat chili. All right. Uh, but there is a sign-up sheet over there for, is it desserts? For desserts. If you want to bring a dessert, you can. Otherwise, just show up and eat chili. There you go. All right. So, February 19th. I'm looking forward to it, because I love chili. And uh, I'm going to eat a whole sleeve of crackers while I do it. So, <clears throat> Fun fact, I eat a whole sleeve of crackers when I eat chili. So that's a, that's, a, that's a deep cut, right? All right. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We are continuing our series that we are calling Step in Step with Jesus. We are walking with Jesus through the gospel of Mark. And we have made it to chapter 4. Let me just say, I guess before I get too far, it's going to be back. We had fun in Lubbock, got to teach, got to give a, a keynote, uh, but it's always good to be home. We did come back with COVID. That happens, right? Bound to happen. That's the way disease works, right? By the way, here's a fun history lesson. That's fun. Um, anyone know what happened to the Spanish flu from 100 years ago, 1918 to 1920? Did it just, it just go away, right? No. It mutated, and it became less virulent, and it's still with us to today. So, I mean, I'm still praying God takes COVID away, but just the way things kind of work in this world, I'm thankful for variants. It hit our family, but it didn't hit us very hard. The Lord was merciful. That's, that's our testimony. The Lord was merciful, and um, if the, uh, how old am I now? 35-year-old asthmatic. Uh, can work through the variant, uh, praise God, right? That's a good thing. So, anyway, are you awake? Put you to sleep with our COVID story and wake you up with the clap. Here we go. Mark chapter 4. Let's go ahead and read. We're going to actually read most of this chapter. Get it in our minds and then we'll come back through. Uh, and see the lessons that the Lord has for us. Mark chapter 4, let's start in verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and 
The birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? And not on a stand, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can, I, can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown in the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Let us pray. We thank you for your word, Father, and we thank you for these stories that the Son told to us. We pray that we would hear with ears to hear. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Who was your favorite storyteller growing up? Maybe it was someone in your family, maybe it was someone outside the family. 
before certain of you, you may remember Paul Harvey, right? The rest of the story. And then, good day, right? We love good stories. We love a good storyteller. And what is especially fascinating is God's Son came telling stories. He would not speak to them without a parable, the text says. And what is a parable? Literally, uh, parabole in the original language. Bole is to cast or to throw. And then para, like a, a perimeter, right? So it's a round. Or in this case, it also has to do with being alongside. And so Jesus, God's Son, comes down to earth full of heavenly truth. How do you communicate it to finite creatures? Well, he did it by taking that truth and throwing alongside it a story. You may be familiar with the uh, kind of colloquial definition of what a parable is, which is a, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's all right. That's pretty good. Jesus, he would tell these stories. He would, he would gain attention with it, either for good or for bad. Not everybody heard the parables the same way, right? Some people heard it and they hated it. Others heard it and they had ears to hear. But he would place alongside this parable this kingdom truth. That's what, kingdom, that's what Jesus came to do, is establish his kingdom, not with a moat and castle, but a spiritual heavenly kingdom. Verses 11 and 12 here in Mark chapter 4 give us the purpose of parables. Why does he teach in parables the way that he does? To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus says, in the first place, notice, he's quoting from prophecy. He's quoting from Isaiah, and he's saying in the first place, I'm co I come telling parables in order to fulfill prophecy. I'm the Messiah you've been waiting for all of these years. But in a second place, notice there are those who have been given the secret of the kingdom, but then there are those outside. And those outside, think about those who are outside. Why are they on the outside? Well, it's the same reason those who are on the inside are on the inside, if we want to use that language. It's because that's where they want to be. They want to be on the outside, just as those who are inside want to be on the inside. Those who are on the outside had the same teaching as those who are on the inside. A new teaching, with authority, as it is told to them. But those who are on the inside, when they heard the truth, the new teaching, they accepted it. But those on the outside, when they heard the new teaching, many of them mocked, many of them scoffed. We, won't, we don't need to hear this guy. Some of them responded with pure hatred to such a degree that they were even seeking to kill Jesus. They were looking for a reason not to accept the good news message that their long-awaited Messiah was bringing to them. The kingdom that they had been waiting for for so long was finally there. And they said, we don't want it. They didn't want it. And the reason, again, those on the outside are on the outside is that's where they want to be. They refuse to have ears that hear. They have 
a heart that does not, is not willing to receive the good news of the Word of God. And so the secret of the kingdom of God remains as such. A secret, far, obscure to them. Now it's through these parables that Jesus is revealing the truth about the nature of his kingdom. What's it like? That's what these parables are about. And Jesus taught here in verses 1 through 20, a very well-known parable, the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower. He is teaching that the kingdom is made known and there are results that flow from that revelation of the manifestation of the kingdom. How is it made known? Well, verses 9 through 14 indicates that the kingdom is made known through Jesus' words. It is through the words of Jesus that the kingdom is being made known. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Hear what? Hear Jesus' words. The very one who's standing before them teaching them. Hear his words. Uh, The secret of the kingdom has been given to you there in verse 11. And it's given through the words of Jesus. How will you understand any parable, he asks in verse 13. They need to be understood, the parables do, because they contain messages about the kingdom. The sower sows the word. You see it there in verse 14. Jesus giving the interpretation of the parable he's been telling. The sower sows the word. Again, it is the words of Jesus that the word, that the word of the kingdom is being broadcast. Through the words of Jesus, the words of the kingdom are being made known. And it was being unveiled. Uh, verse 22, nothing hidden, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nothing is, uh, no, nor is anything secret except to, be, except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And so it was being unveiled. The lid was being lifted off, as it were, for those who are willing to see and those who are willing to hear the truths concerning the kingdom as they were being spoken by Jesus. What are you seeking? That's really what uh, another way of talking about this is, is uh, not just wanting to hear, but seeking. What are you seeking to see? What are you seeking to hear? What do you want to hear when you hear the words of Jesus? Well, Jesus' opponents, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, they went out seeking, but all they were seeking was to hear a blasphemer. And we dealt with that in the previous chapter, back in chapter 3. They came accusing Jesus of blasphemy. Uh, They came accusing him of being possessed by a demon. They really didn't want what Jesus was communicating. On the other hand, his disciples, what what did they want to hear? Well, we get uh, in John chapter 6, Peter explaining that Jesus has the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You can go all throughout uh, the Gospels, and and you see people responding to Jesus' words. What did they come seeking to hear? I think one well-known example is the thief on the cross. Now, Jesus is crucified between two thieves, and the one thief... They both start off apparently blaspheming Jesus, but one has a change of heart. The other does not. 
He persists in his unbelief. He is unwilling to hear. But the other thief, he recognizes something unique is happening. We are condemned justly, but this man is unjustly condemned. And he has a change of heart. And he sees and he hears one who is able to usher him into paradise. The kingdom is being revealed through Jesus' words. And there is always a result. There's always a reaction. In fact, Jesus, in telling the parable of the soils, gives us at least four different reactions to the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of his word. And in verses 15 through 20, he gives the interpretation. I know a lot of the time uh, parables are difficult to understand. But what does he mean by telling this particular parable? Several of the parables are given an interpretation by Jesus himself. We don't have to wonder, well, what does it mean with all this rocky soil and good soil and all that? Jesus gives the flawless, perfect interpretation. And so, uh, beginning in verse 15, we have the uh, word being sown on the path. Well, this is those who hear the word, and yet Satan comes and takes away that word. Takes away the word. And so what happens is the word is never accepted. And that happens. There are those who never accept the word of Christ. They never accept the gospel. It was true in Jesus' day. It's true into our day. Verses 16 and 17, here's a different reaction. There's some who are sown on rocky ground. And Jesus explains these are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy immediately. They immediately welcome it. They accept it. But they don't have any root. There's no deep conviction. And they endure for a while, but then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, and immediately they fall away. So there are those who never accept. Heartbreaking as that is, that, as that is Jesus recognizes that. But then there are those who accept, but it's not with deep conviction. Uh, they... They don't have the deep conviction. It doesn't sink down deep into their hearts. It doesn't root down into their hearts. And he says they fall away. In verses 18 and 19, here's uh, those that are sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. They seem to accept it, it would, it would seem, having heard it. But cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches. Desires of other things enter in and choke the word. The word is choked out. So, although the word is accepted, it is choked out. It does not produce life because it succumbs to the realities, so-called, of life. Uh, cares the world, deceitfulness of riches, desires for other things. Just a general umbrella statement there at the end. Yeah. So, never accepted, accepted but no deep conviction, accepted but choked out by the realities of life. But then, notice verse 20. But those sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word. They accept the word. And they bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Here are those who accept the word and they flourish. It, it grows. It 
produces a crop in their life. It bears fruit. The results of the word come to fruition, as it were. And it bears fruit. These are the results of making the kingdom known. Jesus, fully aware that there will always be a reaction to his word. That there will be those who never accept. There will be those who may accept and, and for a time continue in it, but fall away, choked out. But then there are those, the good soil, that accept and they flourish and produce a crop. Yeah, but how and, and why? And, and I know there's a number of different questions, no doubt, that come to our mind about this. And that's why we need the next parable in verses 26 through 29, the parable of the growing seed. As we look at the steps of Jesus here in, in Mark chapter 4, it, it seems true to conclude that his followers need to be concerned with sowing the seed of the kingdom, right? That we, if we would follow step in step with Jesus, well, as we sing, are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother? It is sowing the seed that has results. It is sowing the seed that the kingdom and even the secrets of the kingdom are revealed. There's a call to bear fruit for our king's sake. But right here, even with that bountiful harvest that may come, and there's still that waiting period, right? And, and notice this parable about this man in verse 26. He says he's scattering seed, and that's another interesting thing. Because usually how we grow things is we plant it, right? And we water it, and we, we tend to it. But here, it's just an indiscriminate casting. Just throwing the seed out there. And seemingly leaving the results to God. And in fact, that's what this parable is about. The, the man sows the seed and then he sleeps and he rises day and night. And, and, and the seed sprouts and it grows. Now notice this. The end of verse 27. He knows not how. Doesn't know. How does it work? And why? And it just says the earth produces by itself. Uh, we from the, the the word that's used there for by itself, we actually get our English word automatic from it. It just it's automatic. It does its work. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. And so we have the ability to share the word, and even in some sense share in the growth of the kingdom, the growth of the mustard seed. That's the last parable we'll look at here in just a moment. But night and day, the seed does what it does. Night and day, it, it works. It grows. It, it sprouts. I think we need to be mindful. Are we helping the process or hindering the process? Look, if, if we're down there trying to dig this thing up, the seed's not going to grow. What does that look like when we're talking about kingdom things? You do all the work, you, you sow the seed, and then you dig up the seed by doing things like, well, why don't you want to be baptized? Don't you see how good this is, right? Kind of a, 
an, an over-the-top or, or belligerent style. Well, why, why aren't you? Why aren't you going to do what Jesus says to do? Don't you love Jesus? Right? That's digging this up and trying to figure out what doesn't belong to you. Well, don't you want to go to heaven? Come on now, do it, right? No, and it maybe it doesn't need to be that dramatic. Well, don't you want to go to heaven? No. Why don't you want to be baptized, you know? And, and that's, that's the, the digging it up and trying to figure out the mechanics of this thing. Remember, uh, there's a story, the account in the Old Testament when David is moving the Ark of the Covenant. He's doing it all wrong, by the way. The Levites that were supposed to carry the Ark on poles. David just has his guys out there moving it in a cart. And there's that scene where the the cart kind of gets off kilter and the, the Ark of the Covenant starts to fall and Uzzah reaches out and touches to steady all the good, pure intentions of his heart, touches the ark to steady it, drops dead. Remember that? Touch not the ark of God. That's good for sowing the seed, too. You know, sometimes as the Word is doing its holy and sacred work, in the heart and mind of an individual, sometimes you just got to leave it alone. Just let it work. Let the seed, let, let the Holy Spirit be the one who brings about the conviction. That's what Jesus is saying here. He doesn't know how. I don't. Why is it that this person responds, but that one doesn't? We can even get right down to, even in, a single household. We can get down to even twins who grow up with all of the same advantages, who grow up with the same parents, who grow up with the, all the same stuff. One responds positively to the Word. One rejects it, never accepts it. Why? He knows not how. He knows not why. Because there are some secret things that belong exclusively to the mind of God. What's your responsibility? To dig down into that and, and unearth and, and pull out all this stuff? No. Your responsibility is to sow the seed of the kingdom. I do know this. I do know this. But the difference between a sinner who hears the word of God and repents and gives their life over to Christ. And a sinner who persists in rebellion and continues to reject the word of God all their life. I know this. The only difference between a saved sinner and a lost sinner is a five-letter word called grace. That's it. It's not because you're smarter, more intelligent, more spiritual, more advantages, more whatever. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. And trying to tear apart the process, that's not for us. <laughs> that's not for us. We are about the sowing business. Sowing, watering, leave the results to God. 
last parable here briefly, the parable of the mustard seed. And he's talking about this kingdom. He's comparing the kingdom to the mustard seed. It is like a grain of mustard seed. And again, we need to stress, Jesus did not come to establish an earthly kingdom. He didn't come to build a castle with a moat around it, draw a bridge and all that. His kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. Uh, maybe a better word for kingdom, because kingdom can have certain connotations that we get confused. Another way that that term kingdom could be understood is as rule or reign. The rule and the reign of God over the lives of individuals. That's uh, what we mean here by, and what Christ means by kingdom. That's what he came to establish, is the rule and reign of God. And we do tend to think of it in terms of the size of it, right? And he tells this parable of the mustard seed. It starts off small, but then it grows up big, and, and it, it uh, becomes the, the largest, as it were. Uh, birds of the air come, nest in its shade, and, and certainly there's a lot that could be said about that. Typically, we think about the, the kingdom as it started with the, the, the 12, right? And then it just it grew until it uh, filled the whole world. And that's right. That's right. But we could even scale this down, I think, to the individual, right down to your life and my life, where when you become a Christian, your, your faith starts off small. You come to Christ with all of your baggage, too, right? All the stuff that, that you have been carrying with you your whole life, and, and you may need to unlearn some bad habits and unlearn some behaviors it's going to take time to get rid of that it's going to take time for that mustard seed faith to grow and grow in our hearts and our minds so that we no longer want this right all this stuff all the worldliness we brought we abandon that and we instead embrace all that god has for us the rule and the reign of god expands more and more more and more of our hearts more and more of our minds sanctified and set apart for the glorious work of God in our lives. All those wrong practices, all those wrong desires driven out, and now these new affections, these new desires, and new practices are cultivated as we live according to the Spirit. Again, I, th I think the principle can be scalable right down to the individual, right down to you and to me. And quite frankly, the depth of what Jesus is saying here, I don't know that we can completely understand it. Fully understand it. We'll, we'll take the rest of our lives to pull from the words of our Lord what he is communicating here. And yet, it is what we can glean and what we do glean is significant to understanding the mission and purpose of Christ, which is the mission of God that the church pursues and follows after. And we can see here that many of us, most of us, God's Word has found good soil. We praise God for that. His, His Word has found good soil. It has sunk down into our hearts and into our minds. 
We've received the implanted word, to borrow the phrase of James. And now we are seeking to produce fruit. His kingdom growing in us. His kingdom expanding to others. And the secret of the kingdom has been given to us. We are not merely specks of dust on a slightly larger speck of dust hurtling through space through the obscurity of darkness and the void of the universe, we are part of the rule and reign of God. And we live under His rule and reign every day. Let's commit this to prayer. Lord God, we, we thank You that Your Word has found its place in our lives. We're thankful that you have given us new hearts. We're thankful for the good soil of our, of our hearts and of our minds. And so we pray, Father, that you would enable us to grow and to develop, to bear fruit, May we be people who are focused on sowing the seed, watering the seed, and may we devote our efforts to you. May we look to you for the results. May we look to you as the one who gives the increase. We pray all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.